Welcome to The Age Stage. My name is Paula Dunn. This is a summer series of The Age Stage, which comes from a compilation of interviews and information taken throughout the year. We really hope that you enjoy it, and we'll be back at the end of January. See you then. Across the Peninsula, 98.7, 98.3, RPP FM. Absolutely, don't you, Brody? So, welcome to Tom Camp from Encore Living. How are yeah, you, Tom? Put you on. Let's Baking cakes. Sounds good to me. Baking cake. Puddings. Is that for next puddings, Wednesday? not cake. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. <laughs> is that next Wednesday afternoon special, is it? Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah, for sure. Mm. No. Looking Christmas forward. Day. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> and Peter Nielsen from Village Glen. Welcome, Peter. And thanks, Paul. And it's great to be here again. Yeah. It's a beautiful day today. Yeah. Have you yeah. been busy? Very busy, yeah. busy time of the year. It is, yeah. isn't it? It's crazy, all the really. Isn't it? Crazy time. The village and oh, well, that's fun. All, all our clusters have cluster parties in the cafe. And do so they? Yeah, I was there today, and um, yeah, they're all up there. And um, do the seniors drink too much? They do. Don't they? <laughs> but it's, we don't have to worry, really. No, this end of the <laughs> of the play, do we? No. It's the third act. No. Yes. For most of us. Is that yeah. what we call it? The third act of the three act the play. Yes, the finale. I'm in the finale. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to bow out now. So we're going to go ahead with um, the discussion that we had last week where we covered four points. Or we were, we're covering oh, eight right. points, but yep. we covered the first four points. The first one being um, national, nationally consistent retirement village legislation. And then the second one was improving industry accreditation, followed by training and professional support. And then we uh, we got into the financial advice before signing a contract. And legal. And, and, legal. Yeah, and yeah. legal requirements. And this yeah. is the, the eight-point action plan. It is. That was supposed to be a four, four but got point. extended. To mm. eight by mm. our, our peak body being the yep. Retirement Living Council, the Division mm. of the Property Council of Australia. Mm. Mm. Okay, so we're up to number five, guys. Over to you. Right, well, uh, number, number five, five is... Over to you, Pete. I'll, oh. I will After read, all those cup of teas and, and, we'll talk and about parties it. and things <laughs> yeah. like that at the, uh, at the Village Glen. So um, one of the issues that Minister White was pretty big on all those months ago was dispute resolution. And as you recall, last week we talked about he gave Stuart Shaw and myself a brief to get industry leaders together and come up with a four-point plan. Yep. One of them was dispute resolution. So the, the eight-point plan now incorporates as point five, support a quick and cost-effective government-backed independent dispute resolution process, such as an ombudsman or advocate, for disputes that are unable to be resolved at a village level. Now, uh, that's the Australia-wide wish of the Property Council, though at our last meeting in on, in Southport, or not in Southport, on the Gold Coast at our annual conference, I made my colleagues aware that uh, the, 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 there was no appetite federally for an ombudsman, and, and their issue was an ombudsman uh, clearly has to be funded, and how does that work? So... Mm. And because it's state legislation. Anyway, so anyway, in our eight point plan, there is mention of an ombudsman or an advocate. Um, and when it says cost effective government backed, it doesn't mean government funded. It just means the government support what we're coming up with. So mm. the, the industry clearly, um, is endeavouring to get that. Most of the state legislations have, um, criteria for dispute resolution. Um, so I suppose the role of us as a national body is to, if you like, cherry pick the best rather than the worst of those and put it together as a, as an industry backed dispute resolution. And some of the concepts that we've been talking about, um, is it has to be low cost. Um, and there are a lot of, if you like, elder statesmen in our industry who have been operators and owners of villages who are now retired and they may well become a panel of people mm. who uh, who get involved in disputes before they go to the state areas where we have to go to VCAT or whatever. So mm -hmm. what we're endeavouring to do is is to have some common sense in the room. So is VCAT yeah. currently the, the arbitrator, isn't it? Uh, it's part of the, part the of whole the raft of... In Victoria. Yeah, in Victoria, yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in Victoria, our legislation, our regulations dictate that all villages must have 
a dispute, a dispute resolution yeah, process. Yeah. It's part of our contracts. It is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there is a, a dispute resolution that you have to articulate and outline in your contracts, so that people know that's where the you know that's where they go. Mm. And and Pete, to be fair, Victoria, because I'm a big advocate of Victoria, we we have a good system here. Mm. Uh, if if you can't resolve it. Then we have, in my opinion, a, 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 an appropriate system with um, Consumer Affairs Victoria, and um, and look, I reckon they're pretty cool. Like one of our villages got audited the other week. You know, CAV came out and went through, and that was a follow up from two years ago. We came through with squeaky clean, you as, know, you would. as you would. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's good to see them proactive and out there. I think they're a wee bit more proactive now because of the publicity around retirement mm-hmm. villages. Yeah. So I, I think though the issue in Victoria is CAV clearly are part of the process, although the legislation doesn't address the funding of that sort of stuff. So CAV, there have been sometimes there's a dispute uh, gets to a level where it can't be resolved by just sitting around and talking. You need to go a little bit further, and that's where the VCAT um, process comes mm. in. Are they trying to find something before VCAT? Mm. So there's a you go. Well, that, the, that's what, what you're. What, what this eight point plan is trying to address, and we're still working our way through how that actually works. Um, it's a sort of a chicken and egg thing. But my view would be, if if a resident uh, is in dispute with their management yes. or their manager or their owner, um, before it gets to CAV and VCAT, maybe refer it through to the RLC. And that august body of people, in each state you might have two or three of them, so whatever state you're in, yes, they get briefed and, and, and they try and bring the parties together and right. resolve it. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and, makes sense. And there's no compulsion that it be resolved, but if it can't be resolved, you maybe you then go back to your state prescribed methods through the legislation. Would, so, they, yeah. would they be able to advise counsel, legal counsel? No. No, no okay. We're, we're thinking... It's that no, no one pays anybody. No, so, yeah, no, no, yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. But are they able to suggest, suggest, for example, for this august group, uh, they would come to a conclusion that says it is in our opinion that mm. if you took this to its next phase, mm. there is a great likelihood that ABC will take place. Mm. So be advised, that's yeah. where it's likely to go. Yeah. Is that the sort of... That's, and and that's then they right. can say, yeah. okay, well, I, I yeah. get it, I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm all right, fair enough. Yeah. And therefore, it's resolved, or they then take it up, up to yeah. the next level. And, and this is linked, like clause five is really linked yeah. to clause three, yeah. which talks about improved training and professional support for village yeah. managers. Yeah. In my experience, um, lots of times, if things are left to fester, mm. there's a line drawn in the sand and it can't be resolved. We need to train our managers. Um, on dispute resolution, mm. so they never fester. Yeah, mm. I mean, at the village land, I think I've said before, we have a like a twenty-four hour rule and mm. an open door policy. So anyone has any problems, yeah, come and talk to us. Mm. You don't need to make an appointment. And and I can't recall. I can. I can call one occasion in my tenure, which is twenty-five years now, where we actually went to VCAT, and the dispute was not from a resident. Uh, versus management so much, it was a, a dispute of a resident versus the rules of the village, which have been written by the residents. Right. And oh. it was about swimming in the pool. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. And uh, that was an interesting case. So if you had yeah. something like this in place, an ombuds, ombudsman yeah. or an advocate... Well, not with, an ombudsman, yeah. Yeah, We're, no, we're yeah. thinking... Yeah. yeah, but something yes. like what we're talking yeah. about in point five, would yeah. that have preempted this whole... Um, case that's going on like with avia it would have certainly helped yeah yeah mm. i mean the, the the bit of the puzzle as i've said before that's always missing for me is the most of those complaints were from one village in victoria yes yes yeah. that village is a retirement village and that village is under the auspices of the retirement villages act that act has dispute resolution criteria yeah how did it get so far yeah and not be resolved mm. Um, that's that, that's something I don't know the answer mm. to. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping um, Consumer Affairs can tell us that, because mm. uh, clearly they they should have been across that. But anyway, it, for whatever reason, maybe it maybe they got to a point where they'd rather go to the press. 
Oh, yes. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the equivalent of saying, I'm going to go to John Fane and yeah. get him to go into bat for my behalf. Yes. And suddenly he yeah. rings up and then mm. the people back down because of whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. It's, uh, so the d d dispute resolution is a, a very important part. And, and as you probably appreciate, in, in all villages, there are times where there are disputes between residents. Yeah. Their yeah. issues. Yeah, nothing sure. to do Absolutely. with the management. Yeah. yeah. And we've got to try and broker a settlement there. <laughs> can, can I ask a question, Pete? <laughs> um, in your experience, like you, you've just mentioned the one that yeah. you had yeah. um, uh, that went to VCAT, which was part of um, yeah. uh, the Village Glen, generally speaking, how many of these cases come up a year at VCAT in regards to retirement villages? Uh, I, well, I don't know, but I, I don't think many. That's exactly right. Yeah. See, I, yeah. if you go back through and have a, have a look at the publishing yeah. here, and, and I think that what that demonstrates is that the resolution procedures that we have within our contracts and our compliance to the Act says that generally, and it would be probably 98 or 99 percent of all operators and owners, are actually abiding by the law. They have excellent relationships with their um with the residents that live in their mm. villages, and they are able to resolve it. Yeah. Mm. And, and you know, we're talking about doing all of these things, and I, I'm a little bit more, you, you guys, I don't like pussyfooting around with these things too much. In my opinion, we have very robust systems and yep. very good functional and practical ways to deal with residents in a retirement village. Mm. And, but and like I personally think, and I'll go much further than this, Peter, than what you said before, is that I personally think this thing's blown way out of proportion for potentially political issues. Mm. That's why we're talking about ombudsmen. Who pays for that? Mm. Mm. That's why the minister, the federal government's coming back through the various um, uh, channels and saying, we need you guys to take control of your industry and deal with it. So mm. we've actually just got a public relations issue, I think, mm. in mm. telling people, look, there is all of the checks and balances in place. Yes, there's always room for improvement. Mm. But if you actually go and look at the history, the history says that the system's working pretty well. But like Peter just said, Tom, that, you know, why has this one particular mm. retirement village, how did that go on and on like that? You how know? did it get so bad? Well, any, how, yeah, how did it get so bad? Well, I think Pete's yeah. raised the issue. Yeah. You know, we, we, we deal with intelligent people, intelligent listeners, people that understand broadly what's going on with media and their biases and so on. And I mm. think there is there is questions to be asked in there mm. and there is some accountability to come yeah, into absolutely. that. Really and there's some pretty positive stuff here too because one thing that uh, hasn't been talked about is how good is it that there are dispute resolution procedures in villages where people live, mm. whereas in the general community there, there are not. No, that's no. right. If you no. have a blue with your neighbour in the general community, yes. when I was growing up in the 60s, if we had a problem with our neighbour, we could either ring the council or ring the police. Mm. Try and do that now. Yeah. Mm. Neither will come. No satisfaction <laughs> from anybody. In a village, it's it's a far more structured environment from that Absolutely. point of view, and you get the opportunity. I'm not saying we'll solve the problem, yeah. but there is someone to talk to who cares. You can at least voice your opinion. Absolutely. That so that's a positive for our industry yeah. is that not only do we, we are a community of people with like minds, with like interests, but we're a community of people who have systems in place and policies and procedures to help us live our lives stress-free. Mm. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to number six. Not because I'm, I'm actually going to make a call now, and that is we're going to run this through until uh, quarter two okay. because I want to get this one fully addressed yeah. and, and okay. before we go. Mm -hmm. So we will move one of our yep. uh, appointments and we will pick up another one at quarter two. So we have extra time. Yep, we do. Uh, and I promise not to interrupt. No, no, it's is not a okay? question. No, no, I, I, it <laughs> is number two. Six, it number, is six. Two number six. Number six. Number six. Number six. And this is, a, this is not an easy one. It's not. It's ensure... Ensure transparent pricing of all village accommodation and services, including entry pricing, ongoing service fees, reinstatement costs and fees relating to departure, to ensure the individual's need of, needs of customer, the individual needs of customers are met. Now, once again, this, all these things are interlinked, really. Um, villages uh, started out in the, oh, I, don't know, I suppose, mid-70s, um, of places to live yep. um, and there weren't any services. It was just another mm. way of living. Mm. What's happened in the last 40 years is people's expectations of what a village offers now 
is much higher. Correct. So I know in my 25 years at the Village Glen, when I first went there, uh, there was hardly any extra services. Now we've got um, a cafe and a restaurant, um, we've got home care, there's a whole ramp mm. range of services mm. that people um, expect and they clearly have to pay for them um, and, that, and it has to be at value. Um, we, with regards of the entry fee pricing and the ongoing service fees and the departure costs on all those other fees, we spend a lot of time in our sales and marketing in our face-to-face with our potential residents explaining to them that the village is a great place to live but it comes at a cost and we say the cost is at the back end when you move out, you don't get the full proceeds of the sale. In essence, you're paying for the services out of capital growth, out of your entry fee later when you leave and and, and you need to understand that this is not... Um, a property transaction, but more, it's a service, it's a lot of things, but it's not about making money out of property, it's about paying for services and getting value for money. And choosing when you do that. Yeah. If I may, mm. may, may say at this point that in that last element to ensure the individual's needs of customers are met, I think that needs is actually wrong. I think mm. it's expectations, and I know that might sound different, but mm. difference between needs and expectations is, is yeah. different. Huge. And I think the issue lies with expectation yeah. rather than with mm. need. You're right. Yeah. In fact, I, you know, I, tell, yeah. I tell my staff there are two words you've got to be aware of. They, they sound like they think they mean the same thing, but they don't, and it's wants and needs. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Yeah. 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 They're completely your different. Your needs and your wants are yeah. totally different. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. your yeah. expectations are based on Which your is perception. Wants. Is, yeah. That's wants, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. needs. Yeah. Needs is and needs. It, is and it could easily yeah. not be there. But if you're... If you're expectations are clear and defined, Yes. then you are not going to, dis. in theory, mm. if you can prove at the end of it yep. that we have met those expectations, yep. there's, there's no room for, theoretically, there's no room for disappointment yep. mm. other than the kids might say, well, I wish that Granny and Grandpa hadn't done mm. that. But, mm. you know, that's about the only comeback that they're ever going to have. Yeah. So I think, so six is really about, if you want to drill down what it really means, yeah, yeah. We don't want any surprises. No, right? yes, no, we really that's don't. Right. That's, yeah. We don't need any surprises exactly. of a financial nature anyway. Yeah. And, and therefore, it's incumbent on all village operators to make sure there are no surprises and everything's on the table from day one. Mm-hmm. Is it generally true, is it fair to say, that in a retirement village space, when up until the point that you leave the retirement village, understanding that you may go into care and all the other things, but just take the village point of view, is that at your point of departure, there will be something left. Yes. Is, that's yes. usually the case, isn't yeah. it? Oh, absolutely. Right. So it's not as if you're about to go from there into care completely penniless or, no. or there's nothing no. for the children at all mm. or any of that. So I think that's the expectation bit yeah. is that I'm not going, it's all going to vanish mm. somehow. And that's what's been coming across mm. out of the media mm. is that people are left with nothing yeah. and nowhere to go yeah. to. Mm. We've answered the question. And didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, yeah. and we've answered the question. remember I said to you a while ago a, a concept, forget deferred management fees, forget, you know, entry fees and exit fees. Just think about this for a minute. If I said to you, Brody, mm-hmm. Give me $500,000 yep. and you can live with me for the next 15 years. You'll pay a monthly service fee to service all this, but you'll have this wonderful lifestyle where you've got nurse on call, you've got all this stuff, yep. living in a community, secure community, have all of that. And when you tell, when, when you tell me it's time to leave, I will give you your $500,000 back. Would that be a good deal? You would think it would be, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah. In, in essence, mm-hmm. that's, that's what happens. Yeah. Okay. In essence, that's what happens. Now, clearly... We're all different, our form is different, but we all sort of end up in the same place, Tom. Ex- essentially, yeah. that is yeah. that is the case. Now, there are, I, I'm aware that there are some not-for-profits who have a concept called a donor unit. Now, a donor unit is where you might move into a unit worth four or 500000 and only pay a 100 for it, 150 yep. and when you leave, you get nothing. Right. Mm. Uh, and there are people who think that's a fantastic deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, because clearly uh, they, they have limited assets yes. and they couldn't move into the village otherwise. Right. So um, we, we've had a couple of people ask us if we could do that. I am aware of some of my colleagues who have done that. Mm-hmm. Clearly you need to get all the right legal advice and make, pe- make sure people fully understand. Yes. 
And if you're worried about what happens next in, in, in respect of aged care, there is a safety net in aged care where in, on the peninsula in the southern region, people who move into aged care, we have to provide as, as approved providers 18.6% of our beds for people with no assets. Yes. Right. Okay. So oh, there is well, a safety yes, net to protect people mm-hmm. who yeah. have been in a village in a donor unit, mm. yep. that doesn't mean to say they're precluded from going into aged care. No. Mm. But if you have assets in aged care, you need to spend them on your care. I think See, they're, they're the sorts of things you don't hear about. No, you we don't. We don't know mm. about. Mm. That's the other thing that falls into that paragraph, which I think is controversial, is reinstatement costs. That one is a big one yeah, and, and, it is. And, and is an issue. That one mm. is an issue. Um, and there's a whole range of different ways people do that. I think, once again, the important thing is it's got to be transparent. Mm. And I mean, you've got to know in advance. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, it's some, and if it doesn't suit you what a particular village's policy is, well, don't go there. Yes. If you know that at the start, mm. don't go there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now in Victoria, since they brought out the, um, the disclosure statement, yes. Tom, where we have to tell you after one year, two years, five or Correct. ten years what your payout's going to be based on what you think the capital growth is going to be, so you've got to nominate that. It tells the resident, before they actually move in and pay their money, what they're going to get based on these criteria. Correct. So once again, it's transparent. Yep. That's only recent history, so I think it's been a very good outcome. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, we've been two years into that regime. Yeah. If people make an... Again, if you get this right, if people ring up my village and say, Campy, I'm interested in potentially coming and living in your village. Can you please send me an information pack? We just don't send them the glossy brochures like we used to. We physically have to present them about a six or seven page prescribed regulatory document that outlines all the details and all the facts. A prospectus, basically. Well, it's an information Mm. memorandum as Mm. opposed to a PDS Mm. person, although... We don't want to go there because, like, mm. people want to know things. Uh, there's a lot of common sense in in the documentation, and there's probably what what we're trying to get to here is to be able to say to people that here's the 15 things you guys need to know about, mm. and it doesn't matter where you go, what you do within the contracts, within the regimes of formulas, payments for the services, what you're going to get back, etc. These are the 15 things. That's what we've got to try and get to. Is that fair, Pete? Yeah, yeah. But it is 15 things. It's, yeah. You can't just relegate it no. to the, the, the top three. Mm. Yeah. And, and that, the concept of that is that people who are looking to go into a village clearly go to two or three in their region, and then they've got a piece of paper that they can sit on a desk and compare. Correct. One against mm. the other. Yeah. So it, it, they, it's really like a bit of a cheat sheet. Yes, it gives them the questions yeah. and the answers mm. in each village, and then they look at oh that, look at that. Mm. Oh, okay, I'm better off there for these reasons. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I like as a philosophy in terms of how we go about selling, um, uh, say, encore living, the lifestyle that we provide. We actually try and get a person and sit down and say, look, we're part of your journey. Whilst we'd love you to come here, if this is the right choice for you, we want you to have a good understanding of the options that you have and we encourage people to go and actually kick the tyres in other villages mm. as well. Um, so it doesn't happen often but I've had two or three say in the last 20 that have decided to go to other villages but for very specific reasons but it's been their process with us that's helped them determine the priority. Mm. In most cases it's family and proximity to family. Mm. Okay, It hasn't been problems with the finance arrangements or the money so much, it's actually been because of the uh, the, the genuine Other, lifestyle yeah. issues. Yeah. Okay. Pete, we're up to number we'll seven. To seven. 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 Uh, number seven is a very important one. They're all important, but this one is is as important as any of them. Is maintain and strengthen the relationship between industry and retirement village residents associations. In every state, there is one. Represent which represent forty five thousand residents, ensuring resident interests always put first. So the the retirement living council have for some years now been um, encouraging the Residents Association to have a dialogue with them and represent their issues to our peak body so that they can disseminate that to our members. Uh, and this, this just takes it down another step. Is Not, not only have we got that relationship, but we're going to foster it mm-hmm. and, and encourage them. In our recent conference, once again, on the Gold Coast, 
um, there were representatives of the various state associations invited to attend. And in a couple of the plenary sessions, we had those people stand up and make statements about what they'd heard and what they think, which is great mm. because they represent, as I say, 45,000 members Australia-wide of people who live in villages, um, and there's a forum for them to talk to yeah. people in the room who can make a difference, mm. owners and managers, mm. to hear another side of the story. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that should be encouraged. Mm. It's, it's, I suppose in, in some ways... It's a little bit like the, uh, the the group that calls themselves Choice, which is the consumer yeah. group. Yep. This is Choice, particularly for residents or retirement villages, to deal with the industry. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Would that be a paid group of people, or are they no, voluntary? They're voluntary. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And and each of the state governments have clearly that group of people would lobby the state government to change things that are they're in their interests. Um, so every time we, we basically meet with the government in, in, in Victoria, and I'm pretty sure other states, when we meet with the government as an industry, typically the government invite the residents' associations to send uh, delegates as well. I think by the time you've doubled that to 90,000, I think mm. that it's going to be mm. that bigger chess piece, mm. that it's going to need someone that has the business acumen, the... Yeah. the uh, 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 the lobbying capability, yeah. the knowledge base and everything else. But bear in mind, there are people who are chairmen of their state associations yeah. who are former judges. No, 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 I get that. But I, but I think that the time requirement is, is, not, is not going to be amateur anymore. No, that? no, it's not amateur hour now. Oh, it's not, no, 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 not amateur no, hour. I didn't no. mean amateur hour, but I mean yeah. in terms of time dedication. Oh, yeah, yeah. That all the back-end office work, yeah. that, you know, and the advisories yeah. and all the, so, yes. the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, I think that the infrastructure by that mm. stage is probably going to need some financial support from something. Yeah, possibly. And they from they a, do charge their residents. From a psycho- oh, they do. Yeah. From a psychological point of view, it's good for them to have an input. Absolutely. You know, to feel that they're part of yep. decisions and Absolutely. what's going on. Yeah. And as you say, you had the police and you had the council. Yeah. yeah. They haven't got, and that no. doesn't do any good now, no, but at least... have got no resources to start with, of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But at least they have, mm. yeah. and it exists and it functions. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Okay. Can, can I just make one other comment, and, and a question initially for you, Pete, is um, you have a residence association as an... Um, you, you, a committee in the village? Oh, you've only got the committee, or mm-hmm. do you? So, so you don't run an actual incorporated association in no. the village? No, because that's what we do. Um, mm. I, I've found that a really good um, structural legal entity for the residents to represent themselves mm-hmm. and represent themselves to management. Mm-hmm. And um, um, and whilst our act doesn't acknowledge that so much, you've still got to have a residence association meeting and yeah. so on. Mm. Uh, we've tended to, uh, we've allowed the residents or help the residents once you get it to a critical mass um, to incorporate an association, which we pay for. They, they work out the rules and how they engage and what they do. And it becomes a really good streamlined way to deal with management and owners. Mm. Mm. And I, that's the sort of professionalism, I think, I would like to see become maybe more yep. um, uh, widespread in our industry, and that's where you'll start to get some real articulation and representation that's really cool, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And number eight. Which is the big one. Mm-hmm. Number eight is develop an industry code of conduct together with residents' associations to set and maintain high standards and dispute management procedures for all operators. Now, I think of all of the four points that we started with and these eight points, that's the one we've been working hardest on for months. That's where one to seven actually leads ultimately. Mm. It does. Um, So there's a a willingness now Australia-wide, within the RLC anyway, to have a a voluntary code of conduct. Um, And and, uh, where we're heading with this, you probably will not be able to be a member of the Retirement Living Council unless you are signatory to the Voluntary Code of Conduct. Um, we are now on version 4.2 of the draft, which is going to the public after Christmas for comments, and we're hoping to adopt it in March. When you mean year. the public, do you mean the residents' associations? And the government. And the government, yeah, okay. And all members. Yeah, and anyone I want but to But I wouldn't get a copy. 
If you ask for it, oh, okay. on the website. Oh, right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Right, okay. So I can... Yeah. So the Code of Conduct is, is, a, is quite a voluminous document. It probably goes to 20 or 30 pages mm-hmm. and addresses a myriad of issues. Um, and we just had a conversation the other day about maybe there should be a bullet point introductory, like an executive summary of what it's all about, mm. which is the thing you put on your wall yeah, in your yeah. office. Yeah. And then behind that, you drill right down to what it actually does mean. Yes. Um, Please don't synthesise it down into a mission statement. No, no, we're not <laughs> doing I'll that. vomit. No, we're not doing that. Thank this God is just, for that. This yes. is just tracing what the, the, the various points are trying to address. Yes. And then you can drill down with the major document because, uh, I mean, I think if you, if you had a sales inquiry and you said you remember the RLC and here's our code of conduct, you'd get a headache. Mm. Just yeah, yeah. my God. Because it, 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 it will by be. its very nature, it needs to be detailed. Yes. Um, and and some of the issues we, we've yet to to deal with is if someone digresses as a member of yes. the code of conduct. What is the, What are the ramifications yeah. of that? Is there a punitive action? Et exactly. And um, it's 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 a really difficult one because it's a voluntary code of conduct. It's not compulsory to be a member of any industry association in Australia. There are operators who probably will never join. Um, but what we're trying to do is make the code of conduct not just a code of conduct to be a member of the Retirement Living Council, but a code of conduct to run a village anywhere yes, in Australia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe that's, hopefully that's where we're heading with it. So people who don't wish to be a member of the RLC, and there are not-for-profits, who are a member of AXA or LASA, who will never be a member of the RLC because they have a different brief. No, they yeah. they may, mm. but they could seek potentially, uh, and this may be a subset. They could seek an approval. In other words, you have yeah. you have a rating and you have met yeah. that rating, yeah. and while you're not so in, in, so you're not purging anyone yeah. that's not a member yeah. you're given yeah. the opportunity to say we have met these criteria yeah. of the association but yeah. we choose not to be a member yeah. of the association yeah. my personal wish is that the code of conduct is offered to any all and sundry yes. and last of being leading age services australia or axa the other two peak bodies can adopt it and have it as part of what they do yes so you don't have to you know reinvent the wheel so much mm. uh, as an industry, we're trying to get everybody on the same page. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? No, I can imagine it wouldn't be. Other yeah. bodies, there's, t- there's a bit of turf wars. But is that the ultimate goal? <laughs> it's my ultimate yeah, goal. Yeah, is, yeah. Is to, the yeah. turf wars. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, you can look. At, well, at the end of the day, we all have our policies and procedures. So, what this code of conduct's trying to really do is not. Well, I'm hoping not too prescriptive per se, mm. but it's a value system that should permit and you can overlay that mm. against all of your policy yeah. procedures, mm. your management, yep. how you deal with, yeah. for so example. So a foundation. Yeah. 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 And, and that's mm. what the document should be. Mm. Um, and, and so that it can be universally adopted because yeah. um, if it's principled mm. and, and our business is is about people is creating good, Absolutely. good mm. communities, yeah. then, yep. then you can't argue with the principles. And for the vulnerable, because it's the age, because yes. the age yeah. there. And Look. hopefully if, the, if the, the various peak bodies do actually act for everybody in Australia, and then the Code of Conduct does have some teeth, because if you digress from the code, yep. Yep. and it's a serious digression, and you'd be asked to leave the association, mm. um, one would hope in the future that people only go to villages that are members of the yep. peak bodies of who have a code of conduct. Mm-hmm. And 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 we will publicise the fact, if you're going to move into a village, be it a retirement living council village or a, a LASA village mm. or an AXA village, make sure they are members of those associations because mm. that's how we can guarantee you the outcomes you are looking for. Yes. Well, I think that your eight-point plan is succinct. I think uh, if I was reading it uh, and I knew that that was in place, albeit it's going to in that going in that direction, but if I was looking down at that and I was ticking off my boxes because I was looking at it and went through each one of those and go, yep, 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 that mm. answers, that answers, that, I think that would answer an awful lot of my f- potential fears. And really, I think that's a very good summary to bring us to the end of our year. And uh, if I may, mm-hmm. can, of course you, you know, may. Yes, 
Um, I want to thank you guys, uh, particularly, your debate and your interest and your advice and your research and your wisdom in this unique area to do with senior citizens is absolutely second to none. Commendable. And mm. I, it's been a joy and a pleasure to talk with you and to listen to you and to hear uh, that and know that we in our age have people in charge of businesses that have the wisdom to make us all feel that in the last stages of our life it's okay you know what and I very much from on behalf of our WP I would like to thank you both very much for um, uh, for being with us being very much part of this journey and I hope that we continue in 2000 and uh, seven, 18, 18, and I hope it actually goes through until it's my turn. Mm -hmm. mm. And, and someone else. And, and, and Stuart. 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 Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's been wonderful. We hope that you and yours, including your very, very large families, <laughs> have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. It's been a pleasure. We, we, I, I, for one, I can speak myself, but I, I love coming to this program. It's a bit of fun. I enjoy it. Minister for Aged Care, Ken White. Ken White was elected to the House of Representatives for Hasluck, an electoral division to the outer east of Perth in Western Australia. After a stellar career in the West Australian Department of Education that included Aboriginal education and health, Ken White moved into politics. He went on to enjoy the confidence of a number of Prime Ministers and administrations. He was Assistant Minister for Health in 2015, the Assistant Minister for Health and Aged Care a year later. And more recently, he's been appointed Minister for Aged Care and Minister for Indigenous Health. Ken White, according to our regular guests, Peter Nilsson and Stuart Shaw, is a hands-on minister. He listens and he makes the effort to establish the facts firsthand. It's certainly a good attribute to have. My Age Care is a massive portfolio. Costs are escalating and the government is wrestling with a number of initiatives like the My Age Care portal and is exploring at the moment options and models that we might adopt to house our older Australians. Certainly Ken White was in the news this week with an address to the National Press Club in Canberra. He's never too far away from the headlines. And of course, from time to time, the sector is very closely examined by the media. Take, for instance, the recent Four Corners program on the ABC. So let's resume the conversation with the Minister for Aged Care, Ken White. My co-host is Paula Dunn, and with us is Peter Nilsson of the Village Glen, and our host for the day, Stuart Shaw of the Village Baxter. And we're delighted to be welcoming to the microphone today, our special guest today is Ken White, who's the Federal Minister for Aged Care. Ken, we were talking about some overseas models and your expectation, the hope that we as Australians will stay longer within our own homes and the community will step up. Um, look, to help us legislatively, um, My Aged Care has been introduced by the government. Uh, this is basically the portal in which we can access funds, resources. Um, is it working? Does it need to be refined? Where are we going with My Age Care? Because in this environment, in this program, we hear a little bit of pushback from people that are experiencing some issues with it. My Age Care is two years old. It provides an entry portal that is being effective for its age. But we also know there are glitches, and we're working on those glitches. And uh, within the fortnight, I'm going to be sitting with the department going through every facet of uh, the portal. Now, I want to look at where it is that we're having the challenges and look at the way in which we will improve it because as I've been out and around, people right across the nation from the top end of Australia to the southern points of Australia have said, look, the concept is great, but let me tell you, I'm having difficulties uh, reconciling or finding a person who can give me the answer or give me the total quantum of information that I want and I'm not getting it. So... We, we take all those points on board and uh, we work them through. Are we going to completely review this process? I know that you've had discussions here with Peter and also with Stuart. You've had in, invited their input into this discussion as well. Is it ongoing? Is it a, a flexible review process? It's ongoing and, and it is flexible in that when uh, an aged care provider raises specific issues with us, we go back and have a look at why that didn't work. Now, sometimes it's an individual because... 
we can't make the assumption that everybody is computer literate because we grew up in a generation where we didn't have computers and if you saw a computer, it took up a whole room. Um, and certainly that's what I recall of my first encounter. Now we have um, very portable uh, iPads that will give us access to incredible information opportunities. And I want my aged care to be fairly straightforward so it's not challenging, but it gives people the opportunity of accessing information that they need in real time and in a real way. And if it means we've got to make some of the iconic elements of it slightly different for people with low levels of literacy, then I want to look at that. Yeah, because we, we definitely need that support mechanism and if we're going to be staying in our houses longer and looking after ourselves and taking individual responsibility, mm. then knowing that that works and works well, it's the, the type of support that we would expect and we would hope to be getting. Brendan King had an interesting perspective on how he's going to be taken through the, the portal that uh, my recollection, uh, Ken, was that you, you wanted to be um, hard of sight and not that literate, okay, what am I going to do next? And just work through page by page. Is that still your intention? Uh, yeah, that's still my intention because I really want to understand where our glitches are. I used to be a primary school teacher, so in that mode of thinking, you know what the challenges are for people who struggle with English or with concepts. So I might say to you, look, I want you to think of the colour red that I've got in my hand and you think of a colour red and then I show you a brilliant bright shining red it's nothing like yours but the word is the same word but we have a different hue on it and what I want to look at is the hues that people would have when they see sets of words like you think of restorative care now any of us working in aged care knows what that means but if you're outside of restorative care what what do you mean by restorative care so it's it's simple things such as the use of language is absolutely mm. critical and and I think educating families of older citizens is really important because they need to be educated to know what their you know their loved one is about to encounter and to, and go into and 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 have more knowledge about that. Well, Paul, you've just come through that. Process. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Sorry. So your ex share your experience with. with yes. Yeah, so my experience was my father uh, was very active right up until about ninety one. Uh, worked. Uh, as a carpet layer, even into his 80s, was self-employed for a long time. Yep, no, no problem with his knees, and then he had a stroke, and so he couldn't. He had a stroke. He was in uh, rehabilitation, and I was handed a you know folder of papers to say he can't go home. You need to find him somewhere. That was it. That was, and it was horrendous to to have to go through. And we'd never had the discussion. I was his power of attorney, medically and financially, but we had no idea um, where to go. There was no, no instructions whatsoever. I was I was absolutely astounded. And that's a challenge that a lot of people face because all of a sudden you've got to make a decision to put mum or dad into mm. aged care and you really don't know the first step. Exactly. We've really got to have some discussions way before that when you say, mm. mum, when the time comes, what do you want me to do? Or dad, what do you want me to do? And how have you got somewhere in mind that you want to go to? Because we'll help do that. Mm. But are there any other things you want me to think about, like power of attorney? Or even uh, when you get to a stage of that if your health becomes bad, what decision do you want me to make? Do you want me to allow you a natural process or do you want to be yes. on life support? Because... Mm. We never think of having those discussions. No, we don't. We don't. And we spoke about that, didn't we, Stuart, last yeah. week? And it, once again, in my own personal circumstances, I was asked by the doctor, do you want your father resuscitated? Would these are conversations which should oh, be occurring absolutely. with families, yeah. yes. you know, whilst sitting around the, the table over a meal mm. and just engaging with each other to understand what the future holds. Yes. And that's certainly been part of the, the message we've been trying to get out through our broadcast. Indeed. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's that is the, the aim of our program. This is the yes. total motive and this yep. is why you two gentlemen came to us in the first place and said we've got to have this discussion mm. because there is a tsunami coming in terms of this mm. um, knowledge and information. And, and no one 
you know, there's no it's, broader it's engagement yeah. in the community as to how these, yeah. how right. this can be taught, spoken about. And who can you go to? Yeah. You know, I'd like to see a campaign. Not only, you know, we see lavish campaigns about lifestyle villages and where we can live as we get older and everything. But what about a campaign for families as your loved ones are aging? You know, what yeah. you need to know. And what are the conversations? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And these are the yeah. conversations, Ken, that we're getting involved in in the age stage. And that's why we're very proud of, of, of the contribution of these two gentlemen in particular and also Tom and opening the conversation up for the general public because we do think that we should be having it. And can I acknowledge that that's an important process that you're taking your community through but mm. it's pity it's not uniform across the nation. Mm, because exactly. My wife had the same challenge as you mm -hmm. uh, where she was given a set of papers to look at and her mum's not in aged care yet but she needed that first stage. When I got home from being in Canberra my wife just smiled at me but the papers on the table and said, you're the Minister for Aged Care, you ah, interpret what this wonderful. is saying, can you do something? So I did have a look at them and I do know that we've got to uh, yes. turn some of our speakies into plain language. Exactly. You complete 152 question um, <laughs> as a test. Because you have to remember it's a really emotional process that your wife, as I did, is going through. You know, like this, you're looking at the end of this amazing person's life and, what, and you're responsible. And you know, there was the hard part about that, and I made the point in, when I was talking with the group before, is there are two vulnerable points in our lives, and that is the dawning years of our life and then the twilight years. Exactly. And they are both emotional. We have the emotion of celebrating the birth of a child and nurturing for the period until they become independent. Mm. Then we take an independent person and nurture them as we watch them become frailer and frailer yes. until that final day comes. And they're both very challenging elements on our emotions. Yes. And, and you can also have a duty of care, as does the government, in making sure that you can regulate this particular sector as well. So I'm just wondering what the stance is when you hear stories of Avio and so on and the regulation of this particular sector, because if we're to have confidence in it, we must see that good and justice is being done. Are, are you happy with that conversation? Well, the retirement sector is... Uh, retirement villages reside under state and territory legislation, but when that issue arose, I met with leaders from the sector who engaged in conversations about the Four Corners program. Uh, they made some observations themselves, but to their credit, as a sector, they've come together and they've developed an eight-point plan, which they put to both Michael McCormick and I. And the reason we, Michael McCormick was involved because he's responsible for the ACCC, and engages with his counterparts who have similar responsibilities within states and territories. Government shouldn't over-regulate or over-legislate. What we should do is make sure that the choices people make are fair and reasonable choices and that they're protected within those fair and reasonable arrangements. And most people I've talked to since that program in retirement villages say, I've made the choice. All I want you to do is to make sure that it is uniform and there is consistency and that we understand it. And I've only had a handful that have really uh, had a go at me for not legislating nationally. And, and, and why not legislate nationally? Because sometimes legislation becomes an impediment that increases uh, red tape but also increases cost because when you legislate, you're going to have a set of compliance requirements and a sector will have to meet those but we'll then have to pay, in some instances, fees that are associated with those. Now, if the sector responds to the Four Corners program and is prepared to look at harmonised uh, legislative approaches by a federation of Australian states and territories and the Commonwealth without Commonwealth legislation, but they also uh, give a commitment to having simpler contracts or a uniform uh, set of contracts across a set of contract across the nation, then we've got to give them that opportunity to do that and demonstrate that they're able to before governments consider legislation. Federal Minister for Aged Care, Ken Wyatt, and if you're joining us for the first time today, welcome. This is a special edition of the Age Stage, RPPFM's program that looks at issues and concerns for older Australians, and it's made possible by our friends at Village Glen, the Village Baxter, and Encore Living. Encore Living, of course, for that regional alternative. So as the government sets about shaping its aged care policies, there is the issue of how much involvement there should be. 
to a degree it's a discussion about the reflection of our political biases. Do we need a nanny state or is there a more efficient hands-off model? It's a topic Peter Nilsson of the Village Glen took up with the Minister for Aged Care, Ken White, as our discussions continue. When you get punitive legislation which is very prescribed, no doubt it stifles innovation. And the world, we're all, all on a constant improvement, continuous improvement path in all our businesses. That's the only certainty in life, isn't it? It's changed, and mm-hmm. things are changing all the time. If you have legislation that's prescribed to a particular set of settings on a particular day, in five years' time those settings have changed and good operators will innovate and and capture the market as, it, as the market is taking it. Whereas when you legislate, my observation is that can stifle that approach. Just, just to tease out Peter's comment, if you look at what's happened in um, residential aged care over the last decade, where there used to be a variety of different styles of accommodation and services, now we all build um, single rooms en suite, all about 18 squares plus the en suite of about four squares, and you know it's an homogenised product. No matter where you go, you know Peter might have um, better furnishings than we provide. But I'll say that unashamedly. Um, but you know it, it, the, the actual building fabric is the same. Not everybody lives in the same type of house. We don't all have, uh, Brendan, as a station manager, you know, the six-bedroom, two-storey mansion uh, (laughs) down at uh, Portsea overlooking the headlands. Come and join me in the caravan. (laughs) (laughs) But but we all live in different styles of accommodation and that creativity has largely been taken out of the sector. And so if legislation was to come that went along with similar lines for retirement villages, they'd be very dull places. And so yeah, you're right, they're, you're right, Stuart. They're not dull places, and you have a minister that's showing great energy and creativity. And, Minister, I'm just wondering, as we begin to wrap things up here today, um, if we look at the Australian model, how are we compared to, say, our neighbours in Asia, or what is the West, what are the Western Europeans or the North Americans doing in this sector? Are we a model? Are we, or are we aspirational to something that maybe the Swedes are doing or the Scandinavians? Look, I think based on the G20 Health Ministers Forum, when I met with a number of ministers from the top 20 countries in the world, all of them looked to Australia for its aged care sector. They believe that we've got an exemplary range of options for people to choose from from residential aged care through to uh, our model now of encouraging people to live at home longer through to retirement villages, including caravan parks. Uh, the consideration is is that we have got an outstanding system that they like and look to. Now, the old Chogham, which was all the Commonwealth uh, government um, countries, have, uh, sorry, Commonwealth countries have uh, established a international a peak body now that is focusing on ageing populations within Commonwealth countries and all of them have said that Australia has by far the world's leading aged care sector 